Hey, my name is James. I'm the pastor of The Rising, and welcome to our podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I have prayed that this message is inspiring, encouraging, and it motivates you to grow closer to God today. I want to remind you that you're not changed by the word that you hear, but by the word that you do. So put this into practice. Lean forward, get ready. I hope you have an expectant attitude because I believe God wants to speak to you today. Oh man, what just happened? 2020 has been one of the most incredible years I've ever lived through. Um, summer's been crazy. You know, I work at a church and I serve with students and summer is my most favorite time of year. I always look forward to summer. But this year, summer's just been frustrating and disappointing. You know, usually I'm taking trips to Atlanta, taking trips to Mexico, looking forward to my favorite things like tacos in Mexico and uh, In-N-Out Burger and the original Chick-fil-A. But this year, all that stuff just got torn away from me. We lost it all. And I'm sitting here talking about uh, tacos and Chick-fil-A and trips to the beach. And you're like, what? Man, I lost, I lost my job. I lost my income. Maybe I lost somebody in my life. And the losses keep coming, right? I mean, we've all lost something. And this year has been it's been hard. It's been hard. The losses, they keep adding up. They keep coming. I have a friend who uh, lost a job. Then got a job, then lost a job. My wife is a teacher, and uh, teachers are feeling it right now because there's so much uncertainty. There's, there's so much, so many questions that they've got. They just don't know what the school year is going to hold, how they're going to teach, what they're going to do, what it's going to look like, what the school year is going to look like. And it's, it's just been hard. And uh, one of the things that I know has happened is that we've kind of lost our ability to be happy. It's strange because if you're honest, um, your happiness often depends on the predictability of your reality. I mean, just, just think about it. You know, one of the things that puts you in a good mood is that everything goes according to plan that day. You know, you get out of bed, you get on stairs. If your coffee maker works, you're happy. Uh, if your kids get out of bed on time, you're happy. If there's no traffic, generally you're happy. If you get to work and that thing that you needed to do and get in on time gets done and in on time, you're happy. But if none of that really goes according to plan, if you wake up, your ice maker's broken, you're not gonna be very happy. If you try to get out the door and something happens that makes you late, you're not gonna be happy. If uh, that project you've been working on gets a bad review at work, you're not gonna be very happy. So how your day goes, is really a big factor in how happy you are. And uh, this year, it's been, it's been tough. Nothing has gone according to plan. It has been tough to uh, not be able to see our friends and family as much as we have been used to. It's been difficult to see how many people have lost their jobs and how many businesses have been closed because those businesses and jobs are attached to a paycheck which are attached to a family that's trying to get by. It's been awful to see how divided our country has become because of all the, the systems and the things that this uh, pandemic have exposed in our world and how divided we've been. It's been really, really tough too. And the most disheartening thing 
is to see how many people have lost their lives to this. Nothing has gone according to plan. And, and this has really, really um, disrupted our ability to be happy. And these past six months have been so, so strange. It's so weird. It's, it's been almost six months since this thing has started. And uh, we're all kind of looking into this new future, this new reality. We're not really sure what's gonna happen. And there's all this, um, this anxiety and this fear, this, uh, I don't know what it is. It's this uncertainty, this kind of like this panic that's set in. And uh, I don't think God ever wanted us to live in anxiety. That's not the way God designed us to live. I think God designed us to live in joy and in happiness. I think in, in all things, God wants us to be happy. God wants us to enjoy ourselves. And we're all chasing happiness. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, uh, I think joy, it gives birth to happiness. And joy, it doesn't depend on the situation and it doesn't depend on the circumstances. You know, so, so many of us, um, and rightly so, so many of us, our moods and our, our minds and our attitudes have been so changed and so affected during these last couple months. And it's been hard and you've got an excuse to have had your attitude changed. But I think joy, uh, joy is this deep-seated confidence and peace in God that, that God is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Joy isn't affected by circumstances. It's not affected by situations. It's not affected as to... Uh, if the coffee maker doesn't work. Joy is this thing that, that's always present because of what God has done for us in and through Jesus. And I think that's what God wants for you and me. And that's why we're talking about this thing, chasing happiness, because I mean, happiness is a thing that, that God actually wants for you, even though you go through some pretty rough circumstances. There's a story in Numbers chapter 13. If you want to go there, uh, just grab your Bible or, or, or go to the Bible app. Numbers chapter 13 is an, an interesting story about the people of Israel. And uh, I'm going to give you some background because the people of Israel have just left Egypt. And uh, they've just left, left slavery and captivity in Egypt. They've gone through the desert. And uh, they end up in this place in the desert of Paran. And they're about to enter the promised land, this, this land that God has promised to them. And God has promised that the promised land will be everything that Egypt wasn't. They'll be free to do what they want. They'll have milk and honey and everything that they can want. It will be perfect. It will be everything that they ever wanted. And this desert of Paran is the last place that the Israelites are going to be before they enter the promised land. So in Numbers chapter 13, um, Moses wants to scout out the land and see what it's like and see uh, just what they're about to walk into. So I'm going to read a little bit. This is We're going to start in verse 17 of chapter 13. It says, When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? And so Moses has a lot of questions. I mean, just a ton of questions. And I think, you know, for each of us, whenever we enter into a new reality or a new situation, we have a lot of questions. And um, it's, it's okay to have questions. Who of us? has not lost some sleep over the past couple of months wondering what the future is going to be like. You know, we, we sit up at night and say, oh, how long is this thing going to last? You know, am I going to be able to keep my job? Am I going to get sick? Is anybody in my family going to get sick? Is anybody I know going to die? Will I still have a paycheck at the end of this week? 
What about my kid who's about to graduate? What about my kid who's about to go off to college? What about my high school and middle school kids? What about if I have to go back to school? What if, what if I need to go teach? You know, what's my job gonna look like in the future? How long is this gonna last? Are we gonna get a vaccine? What on earth is happening? And so all these questions, all these questions, it's, I don't think it's a sign of, of anything bad. We just wanna know, and I don't know what you've heard at church, but um, questions and doubt and uncertainty, I think they're actually okay. I think they're like a pathway to stronger faith. And sometimes that doubt and that uncertainty, it's actually an invitation from God to trust that He is good and to trust that He's going to go where He's asking us to go, that He's always going to be with us no matter what. So all those doubts and all those questions, they're not a bad thing. They're not a bad thing at all. But Moses, he just wants to know. He says, do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe, grape, for the first ripe grapes. Again, Moses, he just wants some evidence. He just wants some assurance that uh, what God has said is true. And, you know, I think about all these biblical heroes, and really in a statement like this, I, I see that all these biblical heroes, they're not all that different than you and I. They want evidence. They want assurance. So that's just, I mean, that's just the thing that I see. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob toward Lebo Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Ahima, Shishai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, now underline this verse if you got a Bible or highlight this. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. Now, a bunch of grapes, so big that two people had to carry. Can you imagine how big these grapes were? Now, I'm imagining like these are grapes the size of basketballs. Like that's how big they were. And there's, there's two guys like, there's no way this one of us is going to carry this thing. It needs, it needs both of us. I mean, just imagine how big these grapes are. And the, the Israelites, they wander back in a camp. And you would think that this is all the evidence that Moses would need. You would think that all, this is all the evidence that the people of Israel would need to be like, okay, we, we got to go. We got to go back in there. We got to find those grapes. We got to get them. We, can you imagine the fruit salad we can make with this stuff? And uh, I love how the author's like, the grapes were huge, but also they got some pomegranates and some figs. But the grapes, I mean, I mean, the grapes. And so, again, this, is, this, is, this should be all the evidence that you would need. So they come back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them, to the whole assembly, and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. Basically, they say, the legends are true. Everything God told us, Moses, is true. Everything. And again, you would think that this would be enough evidence for Moses and the people. You would think that they would pack up that very night and go and march into the land and find that fruit and take it, right? Right? You would think that. But, and this is the but you knew was coming. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Caleb, he's like the only one who says, Man, he must have carried that fruit for a long time because he knows this is good. We got to go. We got to go. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. 
and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Oh, you knew, you knew, you knew that was coming. And the thing is, how often, how often do we do the same thing? Like how often is God inviting us, pulling us into something new, and we come up with excuse after excuse after excuse as to why we can't do it. Why all the struggles and why uh, all the odds are against us, and we can't, we can't do that. And the list goes on and on and on. We, we can't, we can't do that. And, and look at this, imagine, imagine this. Moses and the people, they're, they're up in, in this desert, about to go into the promised land, where God has promised to take them. And the people, the scouts, they come back with, I mean, just this, this incredible amount of fruit. It takes two people to carry all these grapes. And they see how good it is. They see, they, they taste it, and they see how good it is, and how much fruit, and how plentiful the land is, and how good it is. But they can't, before they even try to take it, they give up and they start to grumble and complain. That very night, they go to Moses and they say, Moses, man, it would have been better if we'd have died back in Egypt. Can we go back to Egypt? It was better there. It was better back there. And how often, how often do you and I do the same thing? I mean, how often is it that God is showing us something and asking us something, bringing us into something, and we, and we say, God, I, I just wish, I just wish I could go back. Or how often do things change? Uh, maybe. Maybe it's, maybe it's hard at first, but it's, it's better than it was. And we're like, this is hard. I want to go back. How many times has God taken you out of a situation and you're, you're walking through something hard, but it's getting better and you're like, nah, this is, this is too much. I want to go back. How, how often does that happen? See, here's what I think. I think that's easy for us. I think that's easy for us to do. But do you think that your heavenly Father, who loves you and cares for you and is working on your behalf, do you think that He is taking you somewhere better or somewhere worse? And see, the Israelites, they struggle with this thing. They don't know what to think. The path ahead is really hard. The path behind them is really hard. What they're experiencing like in the moment is really hard. They've been promised, and they know that the path, of hard, even though, the path ahead, even though it's hard, there's a great reward in it. There's fruit in there that they've never seen before, but they don't want to walk down that path. And how many times do you and I do that? I mean, how many times do you and I give up before we even get started? Because the odds are against us? Because we're too scared? We're too afraid? Now, look, I'm, I'm preaching this sermon to myself as much as I am to anybody else. Because I've been in that situation. I know exactly what the Israelites feel like. And so that night, the people start to grumble and complain. They give up before they even get started. They say, we don't, we don't want the fruit. We've seen it. We tasted it. We don't want it. We want to go back. And so God, when he hears this, he gets really perturbed. And God shows up and he talks to Moses and Aaron and he says, hey, the people, they don't, they don't want the land. They don't want the fruit. Well, they're not going to get it. And so God, he tells them, you guys turn around, head back into the desert. And for 40 years, 
the Israelites. They wander around the desert. Anybody that was over 20 that day dies. They all die because they refuse to believe that God had something good for them. They refuse to believe that the path that God had set out for them was good. They refuse to believe that God himself was good. And so they turned around and they wandered through the desert for 40 years until they were dead. Except for two. Except for Joshua and Caleb. Because Joshua and Caleb, they saw the cities too. They saw the descendants of Anak. They saw all the powerful people. They saw everything that the other 10 scouts had seen. But some way, somehow, they found it in themselves to keep going. They found it in themselves to trust God. They found it in themselves. And something in them just said, look, 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 look. There's fruit in there. There is fruit in there. As hard as it is, as tough as the struggle is going to be, as difficult as it might seem, there is fruit in there and we have to go get it. God has led us to this place. God has led us to something better. God has led us to something good. And there is nothing that's going to stand in the way of us getting that fruit. We have to go get it. There is fruit in there. Now look, I don't know what kind of situations you're dealing with in your life. I know 2020 has been hard. And I know even before 2020, you were dealing with some rough and difficult situations. I mean, what's the, what's the relational situation that you were dealing with? Maybe it's a, a problem or a conflict or a tension with a, a family member or a friend or a boss or a coworker. What's, uh, what's the financial mountain that you've got to climb? I mean, what, what's the thing that's standing in your way? What, what are the fortified cities and the powerful people in your way? I mean, is it a health issue? Is it a relational issue? Is it a financial issue? What is it? Is it, a, is it a spiritual issue, an addiction, a sin, a cycle that you're stuck in? I mean, what is it? What's, what is the thing that's standing in the way for you? What's got you wanting to turn your back on the good place that God has asked you to go? And is this, do, do you see in this any fruit? Joshua and Caleb, they saw some fruit. I mean, do you see the fruit? It's not going to be easy to get. It's, there's going to be a struggle. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be complicated. It might be frustrating. It might be hard. But what did Joshua and Caleb say? Man, there's, they said, there's fruit in there. And we got to get it. There is fruit in there and we got to get it. And no matter what, we are going to trust God. We're going to trust God because he is good. And we're going to find that fruit. And so maybe God is showing you a situation through all this, that there's some fruit in there. Maybe it's the way you, you interact with other people. Maybe it's the way you spend your time or spend your money. Maybe it's the way that you care for yourself or others. What's the situation in your life where there could be some fruit, but you're just too afraid or too uncertain or too nervous to go into that valley and get it? Michael Frey was uh, paddleboarding near Brooklyn Bridge Park in the East River in New York City. And between piers one and two, he saw on a piling this plant sticking out of the water. Now this wasn't just any plant. Uh, plants that come out and grow out of the pilings in New York City aren't all that odd, but this one was. Usually there's like grass or some weird shrub or just some weird weed that grows out of these pilings, but this one was different. This one was a tomato plant. And on this tomato plant, 
or tomatoes in the middle of a river on a piling in New York City. Now, nobody knows how it got there. Uh, no one would have just like paddled out and put this tomato seed on there. A lot of people think that it was probably taken there by a bird. Uh, and this bird probably didn't just like uh, pick up the tomato seed and in its beak and just drop it there. Um, I'm imagining that the bird actually ate the tomato with the tomato seed in it. And after the bird ate the tomato seed, you know, it, um, okay. And right on the piling as birds do. And this seed dropped into a hole that was in the piling. And there it found uh, some way it, it did what tomatoes do and, and, and grew and sprouted. And all of a sudden there's fruit from the tomato. And just think about what this tomato seed actually had to go through. I mean, literally what it had to, to go through to get where it was. And then it just does, it, does its thing. After a while, it grows and grows and grows right where it's planted. And after a while, there's fruit on this tomato plant, on this piling, in this river, in New York City. No soil, no farmer, no garden, no tomato cage. I mean, I can't even get tomatoes to grow when I tried to help them in my own yard. But this one just grew wherever it was planted. So here's what I think. No matter what you're going through, no matter what life throws at you, there's fruit in there. There's fruit in there. There's, there's fruit in there for you to find. And maybe in your situation, uh, you can't see it now because you might have to go down in that deep, dark valley. But there's fruit in there. There's fruit in there. You know, 40 years later, Joshua and Caleb and the rest of the Israelites are up on a, a mountain overlooking the promised land, this, this place that God had promised to lead them, this, this good and bountiful and fruitful and fertile and beautiful place that God had led them to 40 years later. And God comes to Joshua and he speaks to him. And I think Joshua, he, he, he whispers, this is Caleb, 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 come here, come here, come here. God's got something to say. And God says, all right, boys, this is it. There's the promised land. You go take it. I've brought it to you. I've brought you to it. I've given it to you. And go take it. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be a struggle. There's going to be some fights. There's going to be a battle. But it's yours, and all you got to do is take it. Joshua and Caleb, they go to the people, and they say the same thing. They say, all right, here we are. There's a promised land right down there. We've been there before. We've been here before. It's time to go get it. We know what's in there. We know that struggles are in there. We know that there's going to be hardship. We know it's going to be complicated. We know it's going to be frustrating and difficult and hard. But we know what's in there. And they ask the people, so what do you, what do you guys think? And I think the people think back to their parents and their grandparents, how they passed away in the desert, never tasting or seeing the fruit of the promised land again. And the people say, whatever the Lord says, we'll do. We want that fruit. See, the way to the promised land is often through the struggle. The way to the fruit is often through the frustration. And so this week, for the rest of this month, however long this whole thing lasts, I want to give you just three things to help you find the fruit in your valley. 
Just three simple, easy things. And if you've been around the rising for a while, if you've been a part of the rising, you've probably heard one of the two of these things before. Number one, I want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you to have an expectant attitude. You know, uh, you often find exactly what you're looking for. And I think in a lot of situations we head into, they're difficult and hard situations. Uh, we want to blame somebody. We want to cast aside responsibility. We, we want to find something that's wrong. And uh, we often find that when we look for it. But you can do another thing. You can see all those difficult situations, those complicated things, and you can say there's fruit in there. There's something in there for me to learn, to grow, to become more Christ-like, to love my neighbors better to change a habit in my life, to change something about me, to transform me, because that's the fruit. You know, I had a, a friend tell me about feedback, a mentor tell me about feedback. He said, oh, because I was struggling with some feedback. He said, oh, you don't want feedback? He said, you must not want to get better then. See, I think we're people that always want to get better. And feedback, in, in whatever form it comes in, whether it's uh, an argument with our spouse, um, a discussion that we're always having with our children or our boss or our coworkers, uh, our emotions, something that somebody says, a review at work, something. An overdraft, I mean, that's feedback. And that's fruit. Maybe it's gotta be peeled or the pit's gotta be taken out, but that's feedback. And I want you to know that that's fruit. And you'll only find it if you're looking for it. So have an expectant attitude that whatever situation you're going into, there's going to be fruit in it. Number two, number two. Uh, I need you to find your fruit. To find your fruit. Look, a lot of times we're looking in everybody else's trees to find the fruit. But that's not what God wants for you because everybody gets different fruit. You know, I think the Israelites carried back so many different fruit, so much different fruit, because everybody needed something different. You know, in some situations, I need to learn peace. I need to learn generosity. Other situations, I need to speed up or slow down. And so other people might need to learn how to honor other people or how to speak in different words. That's not the fruit that God wants for me. And see, a lot of times I think we're busy looking in someone else's trees to find the fruit that God has put in front of our face. We are too busy looking in everybody else's trees to find the fruit that God has hung in front of our faces. Look for your own fruit in your own tree. So have an expectant attitude. Find your fruit. And number three, I need you to find someone to help you find your fruit. Look, I think there were 12 spies because God knew that they were gonna need people in each other's lives. They were gonna need a community to find this fruit. And then it took two people to carry this fruit back to the Israelites. And see, I think you need somebody. I think you need to invite people into your life, people that you know and trust to help you find your fruit. Somebody that you can have a difficult conversation with and say, hey, look, I'm dealing with this thing. Can you help me find the fruit in there? Hey, I'm going through this situation. Can you help me find the fruit in there? So find people. They're going to help you find your fruit. And you can find people at the rising. I know they're there. I know that there are groups that you can find, that you can be a part of, that'll help you find your fruit. Look, don't miss out on this. Don't, don't miss out on this opportunity to find the fruit and no matter what's going on because it's in there. The fruit's in there. Look, your heavenly father, he has laid out a path for you to follow. And I think part of following Jesus, part of following God is finding that joy that we so desire.
And I think if we would do what Jesus asked us to do, not just listen to the word, but obey the word, we would be people who would find more joy and more life and more happiness in every situation we find ourselves in. Look, Jesus, he showed up on the planet because he wants you to know that you are loved. Jesus came and walked with his creation to prove to us that God is with us. And God, no matter what, finds immense joy and pleasure in you. And I think what God wants so much for your life is that you would find the happiness that he designed you for. So no matter what, you remember, there's fruit in there. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. And I'm just so grateful for this ministry. And I'm so grateful for all the people who give financially to support this ministry. If you've been blessed, touched, uh, inspired by this ministry, I wanna encourage you uh, to give back to what God is doing so that we can get the word out to more and more people. Thanks again for tuning in. Hey, and if you like it, make sure to share it with somebody. Take a screenshot, share it with somebody. You can like, subscribe to this podcast so you get it every single week. Again, thanks so much for tuning in, and we believe that the best is yet to come.